I'm just excited for today and everything God is doing and everything God that what he's going <laughs> to what he's going to do. And this whole past week, I just kept hearing, you see, God speaks to us the way that we're going to listen, right? And I just kept hearing libertar, which is liberty, like liberty, freedom. And everywhere I went, I just kept hearing that word, libertar, libertar. Then I go and I'm walking somewhere and it's this country song and it says, let freedom ring. Then I, I told Samantha, can you do a little board for me for the front of the, the church here? And then she says, I just feel like I was supposed to put let freedom ring. I said, of course you did. We're all in the Holy Spirit together. So as I'm hearing this, the Lord just takes me through this process. Um, you know, he really wants us to be free. And some of us think we're already free, but we're not. Let me tell you why. <laughs> he wants us to be free to move in authority. That while in a problem, that our stance begins to change, and it goes from asking Jesus to do things for us to doing things with Jesus, with him. There's a different type of stance that happens. You know, it's heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. It's heaven to earth. And so I just want to share about freedom first to kind of, uh, I guess I spoke a word in 2018. And the Lord was reminding me about that, about when I was talking about freedom and I'm trying to pull up on my notes here because the Lord had just had me in different places this morning. But I had released a word in 2018 about freedom. And in 2 Corinthians 3.17, says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That thing is very, that scripture right there is very deep. Because it says, Lord, it says, now the Lord is the spirit. When Jesus left us to be with his father, he left us Holy Spirit. And because he left us Holy Spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How do you obtain that freedom with the spirit of the Lord? By hearing and doing everything Holy Spirit says to do and say, just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus, he walked the earth and he said, I only do and say what my father tells me to do and say. We're supposed to look like our papa. We are made in his image. If we are made in his image, then we should sound like him also. So if we're sounding like him, then there's freedom that comes on you in a greater magnitude by following the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, when you get to that point of following the Holy Spirit for every decision of your life, it brings freedom to you. 
Because now you're not dependent on yourself and on your family and on people that are in your life anymore. You're dependent solely on the Lord. And that's a, you're not dependent on your business. You're not dependent on your job. You're not dependent on, you, you understand what I'm saying? It's a whole nother level of living. But that's where we're supposed to live at. Galatians 5.13. If you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We're not talking about the freedom of the world. Our nation right now has battled some major decisions as a nation of the world, not based on leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to get to that place in our own lives of trusting in the Lord and being in freedom in that, that we're not going to do the things of our flesh, but that we would uh, serve one another in love and not just be about ourselves. Basically, that's what that means. As long as I'm okay, as long as my own family's okay, as long as we got all that we need, that's all that matters. That's not the kingdom of God. It was never meant to look like that. First Peter 2.16, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? The word of God. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's us in our mindset that stops us from being free. It's how we were brought up. It's if you were brought up as an orphan, you think like an orphan. I know because my mom was an orphan, and I had to pull away from thinking like an orphan when I came to know the things of God. I no longer could identify with her understanding, functioning in an orphan mindset to understand kingship. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, libertad, right? And and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I learned a long time ago, <clears throat> I cannot give people what I don't have. Somebody's asking me for a dollar, I don't have a dollar, I can't give it to them, right? Let's just make it simple, right? I remember when I was working with the youth, because the Lord has reminded me about this this morning. I would say, God, I just want my youth to be free. I don't want them to have fear of man on them. I want them to get on the microphone and get on the radio and just voice and speak out what God is speaking to them about. And then I want them to have free reign and the Holy Spirit to do whatever God tells them to do. And the Lord said, <clears throat> you know, even in their worship, because do you understand how hard it is to get used to dance and worship? 
They're so embarrassed and so concerned about people looking at them and watching them that some of them won't step out into those things. So the Lord spoke to me <clears throat> in that process. And he says, he says, uh, <laughs> he says, you have to demonstrate to them first the freedom. Because if you're not willing to demonstrate to them first what freedom looks like in their worship, what freedom looks like to have a voice to speak out the goodness of God, then don't expect them to do it unless you're going to do it yourself. And I had to live by that. So we would travel and go to these big old burns with Rick Pino and all these people, and the Lord would, would tell me. Because I was like, I would be looking at my youth, and they're all sitting there, you know, just clapping their little hands. And I'm like, don't you feel the presence of God in here? I'm like, I want to, like, bust out of my seams because it's so heavy in here. And I'm looking at them, and they're like, and I'm like, what is going on? And the Lord said, well, get up and show them. Get up and show them to dance. Get up and show them what to how to worship. Get up and show them what freedom looks like. Begin to open your mouth. You know, when I first came to the things of the Lord, I was the one sitting in the back being very quiet. I know it's hard for you to believe that now. <laughs> but I was. I wanted to sit in the back. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I wanted to go to church and slip out the back door and go home. I didn't, need, I didn't even need to talk to anybody. I was okay with that. That was just me. But the Lord has a different plan for our lives. He doesn't want us to sit in the back quietly. He wants us to have a voice to be in ministry. He made no mistake of where he placed us. Like, he made no mistake with me being with Apostle Pete. Why? Because he knew he would stretch me and pull me and have me do things I would have never done on my own. I'm just being transparent here. And he put me in a place of freedom in the house that I was brought up in to believe in the supernatural, to believe in all things are possible with Christ. <clears throat> he could have left me in the Catholic church, and he didn't. He pulled me out of that place. Why? So I could stand here before you this morning in Ohio, not even in Texas. <coughs> Please bear with me this morning. I'm sorry. I'm working through this mess, but it will go away soon. Part of this, <clears throat> this freedom is taking hold over your mind. <coughs> Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed <coughs> by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, I didn't realize how deep that scripture was until recently. To be 
not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's so much deepness in the renewal of your mind that God wants to blow your mind. Just when you think you figured him out, just when you think you really know God, you don't. Just when you think, oh, I know God's going to do this, and then he does something different, and he flips your world around. That's the adventure he wants you to be on. What you thought in your mind was going to happen and be in your life, it doesn't even happen that way. That's how deep the renewal of your mind is. <clears throat> I'm going to come back to that in a little bit here. <clears throat> Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If you keep your mind on him and not anything else, it's because you trust him in such a deep way. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were like, I don't even understand what God is doing. I said, that's the best place to be when you don't understand. Because that means you're giving leeway to God to come in and move you and shift you into things that you never thought you would do and say. It's the not understanding where he's at. God, I don't know why you want me to leave my job, pack my stuff, move to Alabama. Doesn't make any sense at the height of our ministry. And God says, just trust me. Pack the bags, get on the truck, and come. It never makes sense in a natural mindset. That's why our mind has to be renewed all the time. <coughs> but if we keep our eyes on him and we do what our father says and we say what our father says, then we're going to be okay. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh... We're not waging war against the flesh. For the weapons of our war warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. Let's say this again. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. You take captive every thought. If it's not in the word, if it's not something that you thought of by yourself, which the enemy comes and convinces, of you, convinces you of that all the time, then you take that thought captive and you get rid of it. Because there's thoughts that come in your mind that the Lord didn't give you. The devil gave it to you. But we believe it because he uses our emotions, he uses our past hurts to convince us that it's God when it's not. I like the way Bill Johnson says, he says, an army set up in your mind hiding behind walls, hidden in your mind creating patterns. 
creating thoughts that come against the very thing that God speaks about you or thinks about you. It's creating things in your mind. <laughs> I remember, you know, in the process of me growing and, and maturing in the things of God, it was like you create these stories in your mind that aren't even true. Think about it. <laughs> every time you've been deceived, every time you have stepped into this mode, it's, it's you creating stories in your flesh, in your emotions of what somebody else thinks about you or, or uh, how you think it's supposed to look like, that it begins to create patterns in your thinking. And you have to break those patterns. How do you break them? By doing and saying only what Holy Spirit says for you to do and say. Asking Holy Spirit to come help you to not be double-minded. James 1.8 says he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's why the enemy does it. He makes you question the very thing God says on purpose because he wants you to be double-minded. Well, did God really send me here? Am I even supposed to be here? I don't know about all this. Was I really supposed to pack up my things and leave my state and leave my family and go somewhere else? God doesn't change his mind. <laughs> he tells you what he tells you, and that's it. It's a done deal. He never changes his mind even about you. You change your own mind. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. <clears throat> and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That's why it's good if you don't understand what God's doing, because it's, it's which surpasses, surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, <coughs> if there's anything worth praise, Think about these things. <laughs> That's what we were doing this morning with our praises. Praise him. Praise him for the things he has done. Praise him for the breakthroughs you have seen him do. <clears throat> I have some more scripture here, but I'm going to go into this. This story real quick, because I want to share something with you. This renewal of the mind <clears throat> is real important this season. <clears throat> Let me tell you why. There's things that God has done in your life. You've seen the works of God. You've seen miracles happen that shouldn't have happened. 
You've seen God take bad things and shift them to good things. There's been a lot individually as, as people that you've seen the hand of God move. So much that when the enemy comes to you and tries to tell you something different, there should no longer be, did God say. This is why the renewal of the mind is so important. That's why we can't just be of word alone. It's, it's our testimonies. It's what we've seen God do in the natural for us that would have never happened without him. John 5.39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. He's living. He's breathing. You can know all the scriptures in the world and still not be free. Why? Why wouldn't you be free? Because they point back to Jesus, what he did at the cross, and where he wants you to be transformed, renewed of the mind, to begin to think differently. His whole time he spent with the disciples was showing them where they were missing it. Not so that way they could feel bad about their decisions in those moments because he wanted to teach them what the kingdom of God really looked like. The kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what does the kingdom of God at hand mean? He was showing them what the kingdom of God at hand meant. He's like, you're trying to make decisions on a natural mindset, but my kingdom is in heaven. So my solutions are from heaven not from the earthly natural means. That's the renewed mind. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Let's go to Mark 8. I'll share a little something while you're going there. Bill Johnson shared this on one of his, his uh, moments he did. Disappointment and religion kills the renewed mind and reinstates life without miracles. It creates unbelief. But we're supposed to be called believers. <laughs> Are you a believer? Yep, I'm a believer. Believer in what? How does the Apostle Pete say it? Believer in all things Jesus did. <laughs> Let's go to Mark 8. I want to start in verse 8, where Jesus feeds the 4,000. About this time, another crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, this is the mindset that hasn't been renewed. How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? You can fill in the blank right there with your own thoughts. Hey, I'm just being transparent. I did it myself. 
I'll give you an example of myself. <laughs> Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. Let's go to verse 6. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them. This is key right here. He's trying to feed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And in the midst of that, he says, thank you, God, for the seven loaves that we do have. He's showing them, don't come with your problems. Don't come with what you don't have in your life. Come in thanksgiving for what you do have. They had the seven loaves. Then he says, he broke them into pieces. He gave them to disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. And a few small fish were found too. A few small fish were found. <laughs> Not only the bread, but some fish. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. Verse 8, they ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region Dalmanthia, okay? So they've seen the miracle, right? They go to another region. The other region has the Pharisees. Let's go to verse 11. This is what happens to us when we come around other people that don't think in freedom the way we should. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a, a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Doesn't that sound familiar? The devil did that to him too. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. Let's go to verse 14. But the disciples had forgotten to bring... So he's dealing with this. He's trying to teach them something. They go into this, into this religious mindset area, and they're testing God, and they're telling him about the miraculous sign. And he says, why would you think he would say, I'm not going to give him any miraculous sign? Their motive in their heart wasn't pure. Their motive in their heart was for their own agendas, to test God, to Jesus, to see if he was real. It was wrong. Verse 14. So then they, they're still traveling along. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. So they're still in their travels. They forgot to bring any food. <laughs> they had only one loaf of bread 
with them in the boat. Here's this bread thing again, right? They only had one loaf of bread. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. He's telling them, watch out with that mindset. Watch out with the way that they believed that it influ- that don't let it influence you. Verse 16, at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. How often does that happen? Like in our even in our families. Like we just start talking smack to each other because we're frustrated about the situation. And that's what they did. They were like, no, you didn't bring bread. No, you didn't bring bread. How could you forget? No, I didn't forget. I told you, right? I could just imagine hearing them. Verse 17, Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Like, he's just real simple and straightforward with them. Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Verse 18, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. See, in our life, we begin to forget about the things we have seen him do. The miraculous, the breakthroughs. They forgot, and they were walking with Jesus. They were with the king of all kings, and they forgot. They're arguing and fighting over one loaf of bread, and they're sitting there, and Jesus says, haven't I taught you anything? Like, we just came from another region where you saw the bread multiplied. He's trying to teach them to have a renewed mindset internally inside of them that how they, pro- they process things begins to change inside of them, not just out of their mouth, but inside in their spirit. That there's growth there. When we have problems, we bring them our problems. And we're like, I got this problem, and I got that problem, and I got this, and I got that. Then it creates anxiety in you, and then you're all stressed out. And the Lord's like, how about you get into your Thanksgiving? What do you have? What have I given you? Where have you seen my hand bring you breakthrough in? How many times do I have to show up for you to show you how good I am? To give you breakthrough every single time. How many times before you start believing that I'm a good God that wants to provide and meet your every need? Just like we were reading in John earlier. That I would meet 
your every need. I'm taking this for myself, everybody. We're in Texas. Let me first start. Let me go back, back, okay? My dad had a very old school mindset. He's an old school Hispanic man who was taught by his father and his family. You work hard, you'll get what you need. That's the way he was brought up. He didn't understand about the supernatural or how God miraculously showed up. He didn't understand that. And the Lord told me one time, he says, I want you to teach him something. And I'm like, what? We drove from Alabama to go back home one day. And he, my dad was like an inspector of my car every time I got to his house. He would come out, look at the motor, check the oil, check the water, look at my tires. <laughs> right? That's what our dads do. And then he would say, you need some new tires. Those tires are not going to take you back home. And I said, well, they got me here. And God sent me here because I'm here to do ministry. So they'll take me back, Dad. And he was so worried about it all weekend long to the point where I'll go get a loan to get you some new tires. You're not going to leave San Antonio with those tires. The very last day we were there, we were ministering somewhere, and these pastors came up to me, some friends of ours, and they said, hey, we were, walking, we were walking outside of service to our truck. And they said, hey, we were looking at your tires. And we have four brand new tires that are the same size as those. And can you come to our church to pick them up? I got them in bags and everything. And we're like, yeah. I was like, and this is where the Lord says, this is where you show him what kind of God I am. I pick up the tires. We load them up over the back seat. I go, because we were staying at their house. So we go to their house. I open the back door, and I called them out of the house. And I said, Dad, look what the Lord did. And then, he, and then being Hispanic culturally, as we were taught, well, hurry up and go put them on. What are you waiting for? And I was just laughing, and I said, God, Dad, this is what you need to understand, that the Lord is my provider, Dad. I work for the kingdom of God. And because I sacrifice and our family sacrifice to do things for the Lord, he is our provider now. You don't have to be our provider anymore. Because my dad wanted to give me the world if he could. He wanted me living back at home, wanted to buy us a house, wanted to do all these things because he wanted to take care of me. And when I left to do the things of the Lord, he didn't understand in his mind how we were being provided for by the Lord, supernaturally by faith, that I had to come home and I had to show him, Dad, this is what the Lord does. He gives us what we need. He supplies our every need. <clears throat> so let me bring you to a now time, okay? Because I'm not done with the story yet. It gets better. We go to Texas this past month, whatever we went. I don't even remember now, a couple of weeks ago. 
we pull out of the driveway. And we're on our way to go to a pastor's meeting to meet some pastors that were in town. We pull out. <clears throat> we're barely just driving up the street. And the neighbors at my mother-in-law's house come banging on our window. Don't move the truck. Don't move it at all. Just leave the truck there. And we're like, I mean, our, our truck had new tires. <laughs> so we're there. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, we have to get off the truck to see what happened. The tire had literally split in half so bad that the air immediately came out of the tire and we were sitting on the rim. <laughs> and I was like, are you for real right now? <laughs> so our mind immediately, I'm just being transparent, was like, this is not in the budget. <laughs> we did not put this in the budget for the... <laughs> and the Lord was like, you know, just trust me. They had such a hard time. We had like 12 guys out there from the neighborhood come to help us to put a spare tire on our truck because it was so hard for them to go underneath and pull the spare out. It was just straight difficult, right? And I'm not doing my shambas and my, my shakas and everything inside the house praying for the truck and praying for these guys. These guys were unbelievers, they didn't believe in the things of God. So <clears throat> they're all out there trying to troubleshoot, trying to help us with this car. They put on the spare tire. We get an hour late to our meeting. The poor pastors have been sitting there. They already ate. They've been fellowshipping. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, what was this even about? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and so here we are being transparent and, and, and we're, we're like, God, what are we going to do now? Like, we cannot drive back to Ohio in despair. It's not going to happen. Like, Lord, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, there is some concern. That's our natural mindset that the concerns come. <clears throat> the very last day we were there, we get a phone call. Pastor, we, we're in our garage, and we have four brand-new tires, Michelin tires. Um, we'll give them all to you. We just want to bless you guys because we don't want you to go back to Ohio in a spare. Then we go pick up the tires, and they cover what the cost is to put the tires and switch them out. And I'm sitting there, and I'm weeping with the Lord because I'm in Thanksgiving because of the breakthrough he gave us. And I said, thank you, God, for always providing for us. And he said, why wouldn't I? And I became like in Mark that had saw the miracles of the loaves. And here I am worried about this dumb tire. And the Lord corrects me and said, if I did it back then, why wouldn't I do it again now? And it totally wrecked me, totally wrecked me, because I was like, you know, we think because God does it once for us, he won't do it again. He'll do it again, 
and again and again and again for as many times as you need him to do it. For you to be with a renewed mind to understand that he is your provider for all your needs. It wrecks you because you didn't expect it. You want to make things happen in your own power, in what you know how to do. And God says, I already got it. I got this. Don't worry about it. But yet our natural flesh and our mind always result back to the old mindset and the way we were taught and brought up. Like I went back to the way my dad thought. Well, I got to get a job where I got to work. I got to do something to make this tire come to pass. (laughs) And the Lord's like, it's a done deal. Me and my family have seen God over and over and over again supply for our needs like there's no joke about it. We didn't have a car. He gave us a car. All supernatural. I share this to boast about his goodness. That whatever you need, he's faithful in it. There was times we opened up the radio station by faith. We had nothing. People started having dreams. Saying, God told me in a dream to bring this to you. He puts things in people's hearts. Because you're working with heaven and you're saying and you're doing what heaven is telling you to say and do, that the breakthroughs come with that renewed mind that he will give you what you need. So I tell you this today, don't become like Mark 8, where you've seen the goodness of God come hit your life in so many areas. Be encouraged this morning. That he is the same God back then as he is today. Some of us should have been dead. We should have died from where we were at in the world. And he kept us here alive. Think about the moment. I want you to stand up this morning. I want you to start thinking about the moments of your life where you know for a fact that God showed up for you. The renewed mind is a very deep thing. He wants to transform your mind, not just renew it, but transform it, that you never go back to the old thinking. God, we speak freedom. We speak freedom in this place this morning. Freedom of your mind, God, to not limit what you can do. To not limit what you can do in our ministries. To not limit what you can do in our families. To not put put a guideline of how far you'll go, God, for the breakthrough in us, God. Some of us have seen too much. 
not to believe that he can do things for us. Whatever's been discouraging you, whatever you walked in with heavy burdens on you this morning, remember those times where he showed up for you, when you were desperate and you had nobody else to turn to but him. God says, I want to take you back to those times, not to remember, not to remember what you didn't have or what you've lost, but for you to get in thanksgiving again, to be transformed of your mind. He has not left you. He wants to break every religion thought, every religious mindset that puts limitations on who he is in your life. Some of us may need some healing in our hearts this morning. Because he told them in Mark, he said, have you hardened your hearts? Have you been through so much tribulation that it's hardened your heart that you don't even feel me anymore? God, we pray for hearts to be healed this morning, Lord. That there wouldn't be any hardening. That you soften our hearts this morning, God. To believe again as believers as we were called to be, Lord. To believe the works that you do for us, God. The miraculous healings, God. The, the miracle things you've done where you make things happen, God, without us doing it for ourselves, God. Renew our minds this morning, God. Renew our hearts this morning, God. And pull whatever's left in our spirit, God, that you didn't put there. Let it be yanked out this morning, God. Help us to be free again, God. Free in our faith. Walk with you, God. That we're going to believe and we're going to move in faith in all things, God. Just when we think we know what you're doing, God. You send the winds of change to blow on us. To begin to shift things again. We don't understand your ways, God. But we know your ways are good for us. I pray for our ears to open, our eyes to open, God. Let us see things the way that you see them, Father. Let us not process in our flesh any longer, God. But let us begin to process things through Holy Spirit who comes in and brings the winds of change to change our mindset. Ramashatan, Brashati, the Broshati. 
Look, if you're in a storm this morning, come up front. If you're in a storm in your life right now and there's something you need, you need to come up front this morning. Breakthrough is here this morning. Don't worry about anybody else in here. You come get what you need. You come receive this morning from your Father. You come get your breakthrough. Because He doesn't want you suffering anymore. He doesn't want you going through things you were never meant to go through anymore. He wants to renew your mind in such a way that you begin to see him differently. He's a good father.